right. The Apostle Paul. What do you think of him? Sometimes gets a bad press, do you think? Ladies, do you always like him? We've got one or two ladies in our congregation who, when they get to heaven, they're going to go to his corner and ask him to explain one or two things. Not only, you know, why did you write in such long sentences, but one or two other things as well. And he writes some deep stuff, doesn't he? Some complicated stuff. But he's also full of surprises. Did you know that the Apostle Paul was a bit of a domestic goddess? No. I'm a surprise you there. You see, when he went around and travelled and stayed in folks' homes, he'd been watching what went on. And in Timothy, he writes, in a large house, there are dishes and bowls of all kinds. Some are made of silver and gold, other of wood and clay. Some are used for special occasions and others for ordinary use. Now, is he right? Do you have best china and everyday pots? Yeah? Well, the Apostle Paul had noticed that. You wouldn't think, because we think of him, don't we, as being a bit high. Thank you. Uh, a, a bit academic, but there he was. He's been noticing. You know, you go around stately homes and you see these cabinets of all this china. And then you go into the kitchen and you see the wooden plates and the pewter plates that the servants set on. You see, the practice isn't new. It was around 200 years ago. When do you use your best crockery? When guests are coming, thank you. Christmas, somebody brings theirs out at Christmas. I used to, till I found they wouldn't go in the dishwasher. So now I give them the choice. Wash your own and you can have the best. Or have the second best and you don't have to. Now, just supposing the Queen was doing one of her droppings. You know, she likes to have tea with a lady in a, a tower block. Well, just supposing she was coming to lump. Yeah? Well, what would you do? Would it, which would she get? You'd have to buy new. <laughs> Never been used, has it? <laughs> How wonderful. A few years ago, the Queen was travelling back to one of her castles and she got caught in a snowstorm. Do you remember? It was on telly. No, in the papers. And, and they got stuck. So the royal chauffeur gets out of the royal car and knocks in this village on the door of the pub and says, the Queen's here. Could she stay for the night? Yeah? Now, I don't know how good your imaginations are. Could you imagine that happening to you? Knock, knock on the door. The queen, you, after, after thinking it was, you know, April Fool's Day, the Queen's here. She wants to stay for the night. Now, how long does it take to make a bed? I mean, make a bed from your, your bed wouldn't be, my bed wouldn't be fit for the Queen to sleep on. Never mind if it got clean. And what about 
I'd have to hoover the whole bedroom, wouldn't I? I might have to redecorate it. How, how long would it take to get ready for the Queen to visit? You can always tell hospitals where the Queen has been, can't you? Because there's a very nice newly painted bit where she's walked. Must be very strange to be the Queen, because you think Britain smells of new paint and it's covered in red carpet. In a large house, there are dishes and bowls of all kinds. Some are made of silver and gold, others of wood and clay, some are for special occasions, others for ordinary use. So from talking about pots, Paul does a quick step, sidestep, and he's talking about people. If anyone makes himself or herself clean from all those evil things, they'll be used for special purposes because they're dedicated and useful to their master, ready to be used for every good deed. People talk about crackpots, but Paul here is saying, you, you can be a special pot. What a statement. Because in a sense, Paul here is answering the million dollar question, isn't he? Can God use me? And he gives from God a rock solid promise. Yes. Yes, God can use you if you're ready and if you're clean. Now, I guess we all have different attitudes to domesticity. Um, One of our church members said to another one, I don't think you have the gift of domesticity. And she said very graciously, no, I don't think I have and I don't want it either. And I guess, you know, in the cleaning of our houses, some of us, I'll be very routine in what we do on a certain day, and others might be very haphazard. I I personally like the Joan Rivers quote, you know. She said, "I've I've cleaned the toilet. She said, I've changed the beds. She said, I've done all the kitchen worktops. I've hoovered throughout, and I'll have to do it all again in six months. Have you noticed the kukri programs where they, you know, they've got a bit of a dribble that isn't the right dribble and they've got to wipe that dribble off, yeah, because it, so it looks good and doesn't put you off, yeah. When uh, I got engaged to my husband, David, in those days we did things, we did things proper and you got, you got to take each other around the relatives and introduce the other one, it took a long time. Lots of Saturday nights, and, and this happened to be a Sunday, Sunday afternoon tea. Well, you know what we had for Sunday afternoon tea in those days, don't you? We had salad with cold meat or salmon on a good day, yeah? And then, then there was uh, tin fruit with evap, or if you were dead posh, some cream. So we went to David's grandma and granddad's and we got to pudding time and grandma's putting out the peaches into the dish and this dish is coming to me and I noticed this dish and I thought, that's shiny on the side. That dish hasn't been washed up. That dish has been wiped out with bread and butter. I thought, I don't fancy eating that one. So I passed it to him. Well, he hadn't seen it, and it was his grandma. 
we want to be served on clean plates, how much more does God deserve to be served by people who have clean hands and clean hearts? Do you want God to use you? Do you want to be part of God's answer to the needs of this world? Then Paul's saying very clearly here, clean up your act. We, we were at Spring Harvest, no, we weren't, we were at a, a Baptist conference, and we had a Christian comedian, and he went through his act, and he said something, and, and he, was, he, was, no, he was unscripted, obviously, a lot of it was in his head, and it, and it just came out, and something came out, and it was just off, it was just that little bit off, and he stopped himself right there and then, and he said, I'm sorry for that, I mustn't put that in again. And he realized he'd said something which was just a bit off color. And publicly, he acknowledged that. And he was going to clean up his act. And of course, this cleaning doesn't really... It's not about our outer cleanliness, how often we wash or shower. It's about what goes on on the inside. Uh, The Pharisees misunderstood all this. All their ceremony was external. And Jesus told him, it's the things that come out of the mouth, from the heart. And these are the things that make a person unclean. From his heart comes the evil ideas, which lead him to kill, commit adultery, and other immoral things, to rob, lie, and slander others. These are the things that make a person unclean. But to eat without washing your hands, as they say you should, this doesn't make a person unclean. See, God's always had a problem with his kids. Right from the beginning, what, did, what was he to do with them? Because he's always had kids that showed him up. Kids that disgraced him in the supermarket. The kids that had a wool with paddy. The kids that try to con him and the kids who stare him in the face, stamp their feet and say, no. And God's got the final answer. And that's Jesus offering forgiveness and a new start to all those who are sick of the way they've been and want to start afresh walking God's way. That's how it starts. But here Paul implies that we need to cooperate. There's us and God and we need to work together in the continual changing of our lives until the day when God makes us perfect. And that's a glorious thought. God is going to make us perfect. See how much the Father's loved us. We're now God's children. But it's not yet clear what we will become. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he really is. And everyone who has this hope in Christ keeps himself pure. Just as Christ is pure. Make no mistake, we are going places. And while we might look the same outwardly, we're committed to living in a new way. And that's as a result of our, because we're indebted to God. And it's part of our thankfulness and the presence of the Spirit of God in us, all pointing to a new way of living, right living, moral living. Not that this will earn us salvation, but it's the outward sign of a changed life. This theme, it's not just in Timothy, It's in nearly all of Paul's letters. So in Ephesians, you get, so get rid of 
your old life which made you live as you used to, the old self that was being destroyed by its deceitful desires. Your hearts and minds must be made completely new and you must put on the new self which is created in God's likeness and shows itself in the true life that is upright and holy. No more lying then. Galatians talks about the characteristics that mark the old life and about the Spirit of God sprouting new life, things that replace the things that were there. Peace instead of fighting. Humility instead of envy. Self-control instead of drunkenness. Goodness instead of immorality. Love for God and others in place of idol worship. Lots, lots more. In Colossians, he uses a picture of... um, Getting dressed, taking old clothes off and putting new clothes on. The old behavior and habits must go. But in Timothy, Paul writes very simply, the Christian life is about being clean. There's an expression, cleanliness is next to godliness. But godliness is cleanliness. Be holy as I am holy, says God. And the word holy there, talking about being separate, being different. So, let's, let's be very practical. How, how do we do it? How do we clean ourselves? And I'm going to outline briefly some stages that we might go through uh, to be holy, to be clean, so that God can use us. The first thing we have to do is recognize what it is that we are doing or thinking that is wrong. So it's recognizing the wrong. It's naming the sin. And sometimes we have to come to God and say, search my heart, O God. Show me. If there's any wicked way in me, so that I can deal with it. Sometimes we know straight off what it is. Sometimes it's been bothering us for a long time. Sometimes we just read the Bible. And there it says, don't do. I remember as a young Christian. And don't swear it said in the Bible. Right, got to go. Sometimes we're very conscious these days, aren't we, talking to children of not telling them they're naughty, but saying when they've just pushed somebody down and and slapped them, that was unkind. You know, so you're naming what it is that they're doing so that they can put it right, not labeling them as bad or naughty. And the same with us, there are times when we need to recognize what it is that we're doing wrong. And bring it to the God who loves us. Having recognized it, we need to confess that wrong to God. We may have to confess it to others as well. There was uh, the police had, had caught a burglar. They thought he was really prolific. Um, and they got him on 13 crimes. And when he, he got in, in the police cells, 
he said he would like to see a, a solicitor. And he confessed to 305 crimes. <laughs> and the police recorded them all and checked them all out. And his memory of all these crimes was accurate. And in one fell swoop, they, they, they solved not only this crime spree that they thought they'd had, and they were, they'd solved it with the, third, you know, the 12 or 13 that he'd uh, done, and the, he'd confessed to the 305 other crimes. So he confessed uh, to the judiciary. Um, I remember reading The Cross and the Switchblade years ago, and... Uh, some of the uh, young people there came out, coming out of drug addiction and confessed to the things that they had done wrong. So we confess to God and we ask for God's forgiveness. And God says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins. We may as well have to confess it to others. Because we may have wronged others. We, have may, we may have taken something from them. We may have wronged them in some way. And we may need to ask their forgiveness. And if you ever had to do that, you will know what a dreadful experience that is and how humbling it is to have to say what you've done and ask them if they will forgive you. The next thing that might be part of that process of being sorry is to turn away, to walk in a different direction. And that's what the Bible calls repentance, turning away. And we may have to put things right. If we've stolen something, we may have to replace it. We may have to give it back. And that is what the Bible calls restitution, putting things right. Sometimes things can't be put right. There were two couples working in the, the Middle East, uh, very f friendly, obviously, in a, in a closed you know, community, not very many Euro Europeans out there. And both, both couples were Christians, and in the course of the friendship, the wife of one became much too friendly with the husband of the other. And they had an affair. And this affair carried on until the woman realized that she was pregnant. And that her husband had had a vasectomy. And so the affair was going to be out in the open. And at this point, she realized what she'd done. And she went to her friend. And she said, I, this is what I've done. I've stolen what wasn't mine. I have taken from you things that were special and only for you. And I have taken them. I don't deserve to be forgiven, but will you forgive me? And this lady with amazing grace said, I forgive you. And she was forgiven. 
the friendship didn't continue because the baby came along and the baby was a constant reminder of the wrong that had been done. And so the friendship was broken. She'd, for, she'd been forgiven, but the friendship didn't continue. So sometimes what we do, what we do wrong, can't be mended. We can't put things right. But there are times when we can. And then we come to the great exchange. The great exchange at the cross. Where we bring our wrong. We bring it to the cross. And we leave it with Jesus. And we walk away. We've been dirty. We walk away clean. We've carried the burden of our sin. Now we walk away with it left with Jesus. We walk away free. And the promise is, if you confess your sin, he is faithful to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And that feeling of being forgiven. Do you remember first feeling forgiven? I I became a Christian in bed on a Saturday night. And I knew that Jesus, this thing that people talked about in Sunday school, when Jesus becomes your personal saviour, they they, they used to always say that, when Jesus becomes your personal saviour, and then you'll get baptised. I I knew I was forgiven. And I thought, oh, this must be when Jesus becomes your personal saviour. I must ask. I'll go tomorrow to church and ask, can I be baptised? So I got up early and went to church to ask if I could be baptised because... And this wonderful sense of being clean and new. Next is separating from sin, keeping away from known temptations. Don't, don't cozy up uh, to the things <laughs> that we know are not good for us. Um, I was once locked out of home, and it was a Sunday night, and in those days, you wore your best things on Sunday, and I don't know where my mum and dad had gone, they didn't normally go out, but they weren't there. Now, I'm not lacking in resource, so I put the ladder up to the bedroom window, and and clambered up, and had a peep, because I thought they might have had an early night, you know, so I'm up there, banging on the window, no, my mother and father, they've not gone to bed early, but I I couldn't get in the house, because I was locked out. And I, I'm looking for a way in. Have you ever been desperate? You know, you, you look at all the windows and think, there must be one that isn't locked. But of course, they all are, aren't they? And by the side of our house, we had a, we had a coal chute. I thought, I'll go down coal chute. <laughs> but I had my best things on. I was all clean. Actually, I was, we- I was wearing a lemon jumper. And uh, as I thought about going down the coal chute, I thought, maybe it's not a good idea after all. Maybe I'll be really dirty after I've gone down the coal chute. Maybe I'm better not going in that way. Now, actually, that proved to be a wise decision because my dad, in one of his burglar uh, prevention uh, (laughs) things, had jammed a piece of wood 
So had I shot myself down the course, this piece of wood would have divided me in half. <laughs> and, I, and I would have stuck there for the rest of the night, you know, <laughs> with my head popping out. In agony, I would imagine. <laughs> so I didn't go down that way. And the thing that stopped me was the thought of being dirty. The thought of all the cleaning up that I would have to do as a result of it. Now, I've had to say sorry to people. I've had to take things back that I've had in my possession that were not rightfully mine. I have had to apologize for taking them. And let me tell you, that puts you off wanting to do it again. That is a real help. And we will, if we do these things, we'll experience forgiveness, we'll experience joy, we'll experience lightness of spirit, we'll experience relief. Thank goodness that burden is gone. And that is part of what Jesus gives us, forgiveness. Physical cleansing can be a painful process. You think of iodine on your skin. You think of salt in your wound. You think of being boiled, uh, dropped in boiling water for 20 minutes or so. And I'm told today, now they irradiate things, they zap them. And it's, is it any wonder that we shrink from dealing with our spiritual dirt? It's embarrassing, it's humiliating. We have to show a bit of ourselves that we would rather not. You see, there's so much. There's so much that God wants to do. God wants to do things in this world, and he's looking out of heaven, and he's looking to find a Christian to be his hands and his feet, his eyes and his ears. He's looking for talented. No. He's looking for rich. No. He's looking for educated, somebody with a degree. No. He's looking for fashionable. Thank goodness, no. He's looking for a clear speaker. No. God, it seems, looks out of heaven and he's looking for clean. And any one of us can be that. If anyone makes himself or herself clean from all those evil things, They will be used for special purposes because they're dedicated and useful to their master, ready to be used for every good deed. Can God use me? He can. He will. If we're ready. If we're clean. Let's just take a moment just to reflect. God may have nudged you this morning. It may be that you've never asked God to forgive you, ever. There may be something in your life that you've been meaning to deal with, and you've never got round to it. Do you want to walk God's way, but there's something like an internal program that seems to take over and lead you away? Have you been involved with the occult? Do you need to say sorry? Do you need to ask forgiveness 
from someone that you've hurt? Do you want long for God to change you? Do you want God to bless others through you?